Uh, good evening, and Shmuel, great to see that you're here. Thank you. And you starting too. Now. Yes, thank you, Shmuel. Good, good to hear your voice. Hey, we are starting with a. We're doing tonight King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the Babylonian king who destroyed the first base Amikdash. Um, in the early years, he was of the cruelest kings to the Yidden. His cruelty to Yidden was terrible. And then during the time that Jewish people were in Babylonian exile, due to a variety of reasons, their economy picked up and things became quite good there, mainly because of Donio, who was one of the children, the king of Babel, Nebuchadnezzar brought children from all countries to train as officers. And Donio had tremendous success. And Donio is probably the one person who changed the situation from the Jews and for the Jews in Babel from the worst to a much better situation and quite good. To the extent that over a thousand years later, the Talmud Babli was written in Babel and the Babylonian exile became, caused the center of Torah to grow in Babel from, in any case. Starting with the various Midrashim on King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, um, the reason that he merited uh, three generations, it seems, even though I have to still check why the Gemara has four, but three generations of kings who ruled the world, Nebuchadnezzar, his son of Ilmeroida, Belshazzar, Sahani Dalit Psiya Ismaihi, it's because he took four steps in the honor of Hashem. What is the story of the four special steps that Nebuchadnezzar took due to which uh, he had four special steps due to which he became, he and his children ruled the world. The Ksiv, it says, there's a Pasuk in Yeshayahu, Bo'eshahi, at that time, Sholach Meroidach Baladon ben Baladon Melech Bovel Svorim. There was a Babylonian king whose name was Meroidach Baladon ben Baladon. And we'll soon see the exact reason for that name. And he sent a special letter, a messenger, a message to King Chizkiyahu. Now, the question is, why did the Babylonian king find a need to send a letter to King Chizkiyahu? Mishum, it says, He heard that Chizkiyahu had been very sick and he got better. Because of that, he sent him a letter and a gift. What's the Babylonian king? Big deal. So Chizkiyahu was sick, he got better. But it was Midrash as Hamayfes Asher Hoyabones. He sent this letter to find out the details of the amazing miracle that occurred to King Chizkiyahu. And the Babylonian king wanted to know the details of the miracle. And we'll have the details of the miracle and how it affected the Babylonian king. The Omar Rabbi Yochanan, the day that King Ochoz died. King Ochoz was the father of Chizkiyahu, and he was one of the cruelest kings that you didn't have. He actually had Ochaz Bedalse. It's called Ochoz because Ochaz Bedalse based Hamedrish, the Omar Hanichnas Behen Yidoker. He said that anybody who goes into a base medrash to study Torah would be killed. He also closed the base Amikdash, this King Ochoz. And the day that Ochoz died was a shortened day 
only was stay shoys hoya. It was a day of two hours, and Rashi brings wine. There should be no time to give him a proper eulogy and a proper burial. When Chizkiyahu got sick, and he got better, and Yeshayahu promised Chizkiyahu a sign. He told him that he would get better on the third day, and he would come to the base of Mikdash, and he would win the war with Sancherev, and he offered him a sign. Uh, at that, and that sign, Hashem increased the day by 10 hours. When King Chizkiyahu got sick and got better, the king gave back those 10 hours, which now became a 22-hour day. As it says a in Yeshayahu, that I'm going to bring back the 10 um, shade hours that went down in the sundial in the days of King Ochoz, and now we'll recover 10 hours. So what is the story here? Omar Loi, my hi, what's happening here? Uh, what happened was, yeah, Omar Loi, they told him, okay, what, um, actually the Gemara here doesn't give all the details, but in Tanakh it's much clearer that the question is, this Meroidach Baladon would always take a nap in the middle of the day. And his stir servants were supposed to wake him up after X number of hours. And that day he went to sleep in the afternoon and he gets up and it's in the morning and he's sure he slept the whole night and he gets angry at his servants. He wanted to kill them. Why they didn't wake him. So they told him, no, it's not, it's a miracle happened. They told him that the sun went back 10 hours. Why did the sun go back 10 hours? Because King Chizkiyahu got sick and got better. Um, she says, my hi, what's this? You tell me the sun moved 10 hours, an unusual thing. Why did this happen? Amru lay, so the officers of the Babylonian king told him, Chizkiyahu got sick and got better. And in honor of Chizkiyahu's recovery, Hashem adjusted the sun 10 hours. Omar, so the Babylonian king, ben Baladan said, there's a great man like Chizkiyahu. Shouldn't I greet him? Kosov Lay wrote him a letter. Peace greetings to King Chizkiyahu. Peace to the city of Yerushalayim. Peace to the great God. And this is the letter that he sent. Now, Nebuchadnezzar Safrei de Baladon Hava. Nebuchadnezzar was an officer, Nebuchadnezzar, who later became the most powerful king in the world. He was at that time an officer of King Baladon. At that moment when they sent the letter, he wasn't there. He also, when Nebuchadnezzar came back, and he was usually the one who wrote the letters, Omar, who he asks him, well, how did you write the letter? What's the wording of the letter? So they told him, this is what we wrote. We wrote peace greeting to King, number one, to King Chizkiyo, number two, to the city of Yerushalayim, and number three, to the great God who made this miracle. So he says, he says, they told him, this is what we wrote. He says, your letter makes no sense. Here you say it's the great God. You're saying there's a God who's control of the world. 
There's a God who can make amazing miracles. And you wrote to God in the end? If he's the great God, you should write him first. Let's get back the letter. This is what you should write. The first greeting should be to the great God. Then Shalom greetings to the city of Yerushalayim. And then greetings to King Chizkiah. You got the letter all wrong. He's the scribe. So they said to him, you're right. The one who wrote, who read the letter, he should be the messenger to carry it out. So therefore, Nebuchadnezzar, as a servant, as a scribe of King Merodach Baladon, is now going to chase the messengers to get back the letter, to fix it, to mention Hashem first. Rohit Basre, he starts running after him. Kiderohit he ran four steps. Osa Gabriel Vukminon, Gabriel, the Malach Gabriel came and stopped him that he shouldn't run further. And because of that, because of these four steps that Nebuchadnezzar ran in the honor of Hashem, he merited to rule the whole world. And in this time, he caused terrible suffering to the Jewish people. If the Malach Gabriel didn't come and stop him from running further, there'd be no solution for the enemies of the Jewish people, because as is, with the power Nebuchadnezzar had, he caused the Jewish people such suffering if he would have been more powerful because he would have run more steps in the honor of God. He, he would have been more powerful and could have caused more suffering. Now, now we go to the name of the Babylonian king who um, Nebuchadnezzar ran four steps in his um, to get the letter back. My Baladan ben Baladan, why is he called Baladan ben Baladan? Omri, we say, Baladan Malkahava, he was a king. Vishtani Ape, his face turned colors. And his face had a terrible sickness. It looked like a dog. His son took over the kingdom. And his son was ruling, Meredith Baladan was ruling on his father's name, Father Baladan. Whenever he would write a royal instruction, Havakosif Shmei. He would write his own name. His own name is Meroida. And then he would call Shmei Davu, which is Baladan. He would write his name and the name of his father, so his father should get honor. But he didn't just want to write Meroida. Rashi explains he didn't just write Meroida ben Baladan, because everybody calls themselves this person, ben this person. But rather, he mentioned that every time he wrote his name, he calls his name as Meredith Baladon, his name and his father's name, and then Ben Baladon. Now, then he goes on, and this is the Pasuk. It says, Ben Yechabed Ob, there is a son who gives great honor to his father, and that is this Babylonian king, Meredith Baladon, who every time he wrote a letter when his father's illness, he always wrote it in his father's name. The Eved Adoinov, and the servant who gives honor to his master. Bein yechabed of a son gives honor to the father. That's That's which we said. That Meroidach Baladon gave honor to his father. The Eved of the Pasuk also says that the slave gives honor to his master. It says in the fifth month, in the tenth of the month, 
the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar came before the king of Babel in Yerushalayim. He came before the king of Babel and he burned the base Hamikdash and the base Hashem and base Hamelech. Now, that Pasuk says that Nebuchadnezzar was in Yerushalayim. However, if we study the Tanakh and the Midrashim, we will find that Nebuchadnezzar never came to Yerushalayim. He was actually frightened of coming to Yerushalayim. Did the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar ever go to Yerushalayim? We have a Pasuk Vayalu, they brought King Tzitkiyahu to Rivlo to speak to King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar was not in Yerushalayim. Rebavu says this is Antuchia. And so what is the, why do you say that he was in Yerushalayim? One says, One says that Nebuchadnezzar always felt Nebuchadnezzar's presence. He had a major picture of Nebuchadnezzar, and wherever he was, he, Nebuchadnezzar's picture was with him on his chariot. Vechadamar, and the other one says, even if he didn't have a physical picture of King Nebuchadnezzar, he had great fear of him. This general Nebuchadnezzar had great fear of King Nebuchadnezzar. It was as if he was always in front of him. Okay, now we go on with the Gemara, the story of Nebuchadnezzar's involvement in the destruction of Yerushalayim. Omar Rava, Ton Tlas Meya Kudnaisa, which Rashi says is the weight of 300 mules, the Nagra, the Parzola, Hatishim, hammers of uh, iron, that many, the weight which 300 mules can carry. Patishim uh, hammers of arzal, the shalit beparzal. This is not just regular hatchets, but it's hatchets that can cut metal. Rashi says barzal chadud, a very sharp metal. Hakoyt says barzal acher. Shadar nevuchadnezar lenevuzaradon. Nevuchadnezar sent nevuzaradon a tremendous amount of sharp axes that could cut metal to cut through the walls of Yerushalayim. Vikulu and all of them, Baal Isnu Chad Dosha the Yerushalayim. They tried to get into Yerushalayim, and the first door that they tried to bang at, all of their weapons were broken on the first door. And Rashi says, Bilasinu doesn't mean Bilayamamish, they were swallowed, but it means that first door of Yerushalayim broke every weapon they had, every hatchet, every axe. Shahayum mispoitzitzim hapatishim. The patish, the hammers would break as they would bang the gate to break it, all the hammers would break. We have a posset that says, and what does it mean? It's a posset in Tehillim, which Rashi says, Mashma, it implies, all their weapons, all their hammers, their hatchets, their axes, all broke on the first door. And they achieved nothing. They had an astronomical amount of weapons to break the wall, and they used them all up, and they got nothing done. Rashi says, these are names of vessels. 
that should break through walls, break through hard surfaces. They all broke. Every weapon the Babylonians have, Nebuchadnezzar sent the best weapons of the Babylonian Empire, and none of them had any success against Yerushalayim. It looked like it was a lost case. Boy, Lemeheder, Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar, they want to go back. It doesn't seem to be any use. Capturing Yerushalayim seems useless. And furthermore, both Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar had both been members of officers of the army of Sanchev who tried to capture Yerushalayim and had a terrible downfall on pace of night. And therefore he said, Miss Tafina, I am afraid, the lonely avid be they shouldn't do to me, ki heichi the just like Sanchev lost his whole army. Suddenly, Omar. Suddenly, this Nevuzaradan or Nebuchadnezzar hear a heavenly voice telling him, Don't give up, capture Yerushalayim. And he's told, Sure, Bar Sure, a jumper, the son of a jumper, one who knows how to jump, who can jump the wall. Rashi says, Doyleg, Bar Doyleg, you who could jump, your father was very good at jumping, Komu Kvash Yerushalayim. Go and capture Yerushalayim. Now, who heard this message? As we said before, Nebuchadnezzar never came to Yerushalayim. Who was sitting in Yerushalayim? Nebuchadnezzar as his messenger. So Rashi says, Nebuchadnezzar, it was a message given to Nebuchadnezzar that you should go on behalf of King Nebuchadnezzar and capture Yerushalayim. And he's called Doilig Bar Doilig because you're very good at scaling walls. Then Rashi brings Lishna Akrina, another Prashur, Barshur, jumper, one who scales walls, the son of one, Medaleg, Bar Medaleg, the one who can jump, the son of one who can jump, who can scale walls. Kafatsta Pam Achasim Sanchev, you already were involved once in jumping the walls of Yerushalayim with Sanchev, the Achshav Pam Shnia, and now the second time. So he's told, he's called Shur Bar Shur, the one who jumps, the son of the one who jumps. Nevuzaradan, Shur, jump the wall. Yes, it's true, you tried all these weapons and everything broke, but it wasn't the time to capture Yerushalayim. Now, the Mata Zimna, the time has come, the Mikdash Chorib, the Beis HaMikdash will be destroyed, the Heichla Mikla, and the Heichla will be burned. You're going to succeed now. Now, the weapons were all used up on that first door. They were down to one axe. He knocked it against the wall. And it opened up. Amazing. Thousands and tens of thousands of axes achieved nothing. And the very last axe broke through the wall with one axe, one bang. Shenemar Yivada was known, Kamevi Lamaile came from above. Misvach Eitz Kardumis, which Rashi and Tehillim says that the Yedeya Ha'oye, the enemy knows, Kshoyamake Bishare Pischei Amikdosh, when he would bang the gates of the base Amikdosh, Sho Kamevi Makaisav Lamaila Burakia. He felt like he's banging it against the heaven. Uminayin Ha'oye Yedeya, how did he know this? 
And what happened was every time he tried to break through wood, instead of breaking the wood, you broke the hatchet. It would swallow them, it would destroy them. As our sages say, trying to get through one door of Yerushalayim broke every axe, every hatchet that they owned. He was killing and going on and killing. He got through Yerushalayim and he was, and was killing people in Yerushalayim until he came to the Hechel. He lit the fire Uh, he lit the fire. They lowered him. They knocked him from heaven. What does this mean? Because he felt very proud of himself that he destroyed Yerushalayim. It says, Hashem had kicked the young Bas Yehuda. He became arrogant that he had success in destroying Yehuda, destroying the Beis Hamikdash. Nafak Bas a heavenly voice came and said to him, Amo the nation that you killed was a dead nation. They were going to die either way. the Beis Hamikdash you lit on fire was going to light either way. the flower that you ground where it was all ground flower. As it says, take a millstone, and Growing thin flour, it doesn't say chitim, it says kemah. In other words, basically, this whole thing that you captured was no, was a non-achievement because it was going to happen with no effort. At first, when it wasn't destined to be, all your efforts achieved nothing. As soon as Yerushalayim is destined to be captured, with one little bang, you got it all. Now, now we have the idea that there are many people who had been enemies of the Jewish people who eventually were Megayer, starting with Naamon, who was a general of Aram, was a Ger Teishev. A Ger Teishev remained a guy, but he kept the Sheva Mitzvahs. Nevuzaradon was a Ger Tzedek. And Mibnei Bonov Shel Sisra, Lamdu Teira Birushalayim. Sisra was a general in the days of Devaira and Barak, who oppressed the Jewish people. From his descendants, we have people learning Teira in Yerushalayim. From the descendants of Sancheret, who exiled the ten lost tribes, we had teachers, public teachers of Torah. Who were the public Torah teachers who were descendants of Sancheret? That was Shmaya Bachtalyon, the teachers of Hillel and Shammai. So we see many of the worst enemies of the Jewish people from their children. We have Gadim who were very righteous. From Haman's descendants, we have teachers of Torah and B'nai Brak. Actually, it's mentioned that Reb Shmuel Bar Shilas, who's mentioned in the Gemara many times, as the top Melamed, he was always dedicated to his students, and he was a descendant of Haman. Hashem wanted that some of Nebuchadnezzar's descendants should also convert and become Jewish. The angels say before Hashem, Master of the world, Nebuchadnezzar's descendants, you're going to let them convert? 
the one who destroyed your base amikdash. He burned your heichel. Will you let him come under the wings of the shechina? This is the piece of the pasuk in your miyahu. Rafino as Babel, we tried to heal Babel. We tried to heal a descendant of Nebuchadnezzar. It wasn't healed because the Malachim had a big kitru uh, and against it. And of descendants of Nebuchadnezzar, none of them ever converted. And Ula says that refers to Nebuchadnezzar, that Hashem wanted to heal and have some of his children uh, convert. And the Malachim protested and Hashem accepted their protest. Now, talking about Nebuchadnezzar's participation in destroying Yerushalayim, we have some of our neighbors, Amin and Maya, who are actually related to us. They are descendants of light. They were the bad neighbors of Yerushalayim. When they heard the Novi that he's prophesying the destruction of Yerushalayim, they sent the message to Nebuchadnezzar. Puk vita, come. It's the time to destroy Yerushalayim. We heard the prophecy. Yermiyahu is saying that King Nebuchadnezzar is going to go destroy Yerushalayim. Wow, something like that. Come and destroy it. Omar, son of Nebuchadnezzar, said, Yes, I know that Yermiyahu said it, but Mistafina, I'm afraid. They'll do to me like they did to the early ones. So the people of Amin and Moab sent a message. The master referring to God, he's not home. Don't worry, God's not home now. He went on a far journey. As it says, Hashem says, I know God is not home, but nevertheless, he could be very close. He'll come right away. So the people of Amin and Moab are good friends. Sent, God went on a very far journey, so there's nothing to worry about. Then he says, There are tzaddikim amongst them. They'll bring God back. So they sent the message back. He went and took all the money with him, and Kesef refers to the tzaddikim. So all the tzaddikim are gone, and there's no tzaddikim left, and therefore there's nothing to worry about. So I'm still frightened because every Jew is a potential tzaddik. Every wicked Jew could do teshuva and become a tzaddik tomorrow. And he can bring God back. So regardless of how far God has gone and regardless of the fact that there's no tzaddikim, every single Jew is a potential tzaddik in a minute he could do teshuva. So they sent a message back. He gave a time. He said he's not coming back till the time of Golas bubble, 70 years. So you got 70 years, nothing to worry about. So Nebuchadnezzar still, he's very frightened to come. He says, it's autumn, it's winter. I can't come. There's snow. There's rain. There's bad weather. The weather's been really bad lately. I can't come. There's shlogim umetarim. There's shelig snow and mutter rain. So these Amin and Moyav are good friends. They're desperate for Nebuchadnezzar to come and destroy Yerushalayim. And they send, Ta ashina the Torah, come 
There's underneath by the mountains, there's mountains that will protect you from the snow and from the rain will give you a special route. Then he sends them a message. If I do come, there's no place where I can camp. I have this massive army. Where are we going to camp? I won't have a place near Yerushalayim for my army to protect from the sun. So they sent, don't worry, we can give you a place. There's graves. The graves of the Jews around Yerushalayim. They're better than your palaces. You can knock the grave, take all the dead bodies out of the graves. And there's wonderful caves to park your army. There's Ma'oris around, Rashi says, around Yerushalayim, and you and your armies can stay there. As it says in a passage in your Miyahu, that Ba'isahi at that time, the, they took out all the kings of Yehuda and all the bones of the officers and the bones of the Kayanim and the bones of the residents of Yerushalayim were all taken out of the graves and they spread them out in front of the sun and the moon and all the stars. These are the sun, the moon, and the stars that some of these Jews had loved them and served them. And now all these Jews were taken out of the graves so that the Babylonian armies can go into this cave. Now a medrash eicho that we're going to do, which is similar to the previous. Nebuchadnezzar is very worried about coming to Yerushalayim. And specifically, he's worried if a Jew starts davening and he starts doing tshuva, it's very dangerous. Every wicked Jew could become about tshuva tomorrow. Nebuchadnezzar, shochik atzomes, may his bone rot away. And he gave a command to Nebuchadnezzar, his general. We got a big problem with the Jewish people. They got a God who loves Bali Tshuva. They have a God whose hand is always stretched out to accept people to do Tshuva. So you got to really be careful. It's very dangerous to fight these Jewish people because if they do Tshuva, we lose. When you capture Jewish people, Make sure don't let them daven. If a Jew davens, we can be in big trouble. I'm afraid they're going to do teshuva. And if they do teshuva, King Nebuchadnezzar says, I am very frightened. Don't let Jews daven. Don't let Jews do teshuva. Because if a Jew davens, if a Jew does teshuva, Hashem will have mercy. And if Hashem has mercy on them, then what's going to happen to me? This man referring to himself, Nachas, he's going to go down. Don't have mercy on them. Make sure they don't daven. Make sure they don't do tshuva. On a totally different topic, a medrash in Vayikra Rabba on Parsha Mitzvah, which discusses Nebuchadnezzar and his relationship with his father and with his son. Now, First is, who is Nebuchadnezzar's father? So quite interesting, and we've mentioned it previously in one of the Nachshiorim, that Nebuchadnezzar's father, his biological father was Hiram Melech Tzair, because unfortunately, some of these kings were doing adultery, and Hiram Melech Tzair had a relationship with Nebuchadnezzar's mother, and he caused her to become pregnant. So, he is a fearful and dreadful person, there's a Pasuk in Yecheskel that says, He is fearful and dreadful, but his judgment comes from himself. So we're now going to deal in this Medrash with two people. One is Chira Melech Tzair. 
Bechira Melech Tzoyer, as mentioned in previous Shurim, was involved with Shlomo, helping Shlomo build the Beis HaMikdosh, but because of his participation in the Beis HaMikdosh, he had great merit, and the whole 21 or 22 generations of the kings of Yehuda, Chira Melech Tzoyer, outlived them all, and he became a tremendous power, and Oyim Benoira, who is dreadful and fearful, is Chira Melech Tzoyer, as we have a pasuk that Yecheskel says, so Hashem says to the leader of Tzayr, Hashem says, Yan govan lipcha, because you're so arrogant, this Chira Melech Tzayr became tremendously arrogant. There's actually a medrash that mentioned that he once had a debate with Shleimai that was very close to him, and Chira was saying that he's God, and Shleimai says no human being can be God, and Chira uh, agreed. Then Shleimai died at age 52, and Chiram outlived him by 21 generations. Chiram lived over a thousand years, according to some opinions. There's two opinions in Medrash. He lived 500 years or 1,200 years. Medrash Vayeshev. Anyway, Chiram Melech Tzayr, who is the father, biological father of Nebuchadnezzar, Mimenu The judgment came from himself in the end. Who gave a cruel death to Chiram Melech Tzayr? His own biological son. This was Nebuchadnezzar. Amar Reb Simen, Mesoyres Hagodah, there's an Hagodah, Chiram Baal Imay Shal Nebuchadnezzar. He was the husband of the mother of Nebuchadnezzar. Amar Dolo Vaharogoy, and Nebuchadnezzar killed his own father. Hadohu Dixiv, this is what it says, there's a Pasuk that the Novi Yecheskel predicts concerning Chiram Melech Tzoyr. Oitzi Eish Mitoichecha, I will bring fire from your midst. He it will consume you. Your own fire from your own child will destroy you. Which Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Chiram Melech Here he doesn't give the details, but there's another method that gives the details that he took, he cut his fingers, and every day he would roast and eat one finger, two fingers. He would eat and be cut his body and ate it bit by bit, which is the way Chiram was dealt with by his own son. Dover Acher, another chat for this. The dreadful one is Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the most feared man. Zen Nebuchadnezzar. As it says, Viato Amarta Bilvavcha, you said in your heart, Hashamayim I'm going to go up to the heaven. Nebuchadnezzar came back after the seven years where he was eating grass and became a lost this reason. He came back uh, riding on a lion with a serpent, with a snake between. Uh, by his head. I'm going up to heaven. So Nebuchadnezzar expects such power. His judgment will come from in himself, which is his son of Ilmeroida. What was the story of the relationship between Nebuchadnezzar and his son of Ilmeroida? There was a story that Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that as a punishment for his cruelty, he would turn into a animal that he uh, uh, like a cow or a dog that eats grass for seven years and initially the neil advised him to give tzedakah and he gave tzedakah he gave jewish people support which actually during those 12 months that he supported jewish people the whole financial situation of jews in bubble changed and then after that he stopped all this money and then he lost his reason and went to eat grass and his son of ilmeroida took over the kingdom Amru, they said, 
those seven years that Nebuchadnezzar was eating grass with the camels, Sha'avru al Nebuchadnezzar, that passed on Nebuchadnezzar, not Lues they took a Vilmeroida, Behim and they made him king instead. The Kavan Shekhazar, when Nebuchadnezzar returned, which is one of the most amazing things, how Nebuchadnezzar, after eating grass like a cow for seven years, how he returned and became the world emperor. But that is because he came riding on a lion with the snake right by his, by his head. And people got so frightened of him. And they agreed he should be the king again. Now he was furious. How dare you have Ilmanoida, my son, just because I'm eating grass for seven years, you have the chutzpah to take over my kingdom. He put his son Evil Meroidach in prison, which just to mention Evil Meroidach in prison, met King Yechonia was also in prison. King Yechonia, who was exiled by Nebuchadnezzar, was in prison for 37 years. And because Evil Meroidach was in prison for seven years, he had feelings for Yechonia. And after Nebuchadnezzar died, eventually took Yechonia out of prison. But because by Nebuchadnezzar, there was no such thing, you know, the Russians used to give 10-year sentence, 20-year sentence. Nebuchadnezzar, there was no such thing as a 20-year sentence. If anybody ever entered a prison in his day, if you were ever put in prison, it was a one-way trip. You never got out of prison until he died. He never opened the prison to let a prisoner go home. Vikiv and Shemais, when he died, and he was furious at Avil Meroidach, and Avil Meroidach was in prison for life. When he died, they asked Avil Meroidach, your father died, you become the king. Omar Lahem, from prison straight to be the king. So Avil Meroidach says, I'm not going to listen to you. You want me to be king? No way I'm going to be king. But he Lahem. In the beginning, I listened to you, and I agreed to be king. And look what happened. My father took me and put me in prison because of the chutzpah that I became the king. And now if I become king again, and then my father makes another comeback. This time he's going to kill me. So they try to convince him he's not going to make a comeback. And the Evil Meroidach refuses to believe it. He didn't believe them. Until they pulled his body out from the grave, they put his body on the floor and they said, Look at him, hit him, punch him, he's dead. This is what it says about the king Nebuchadnezzar. And you were thrown out of your grave. We had a proof to Avil Meroidach that he's really dead. And then there were other people who didn't believe he's dead. So Vilmeroidach had to make a demonstration that everybody should know he's really dead. So they put King Nebuchadnezzar on display, and anybody who wants can come and hit him, stab him, do whatever you want. Any enemy that he had, and he had a lot of enemies because he was quite a cruel king. He would come and stab him. So Nebuchadnezzar died, he was taken out of his grave, put on public display. Hit him, stab him, zets him, to fulfill the Paskin Yishayo, Levush Harugim, the one who had killed Mitunanichadav, and he is hit by all these swords. Okay, now, another Medrash, Eichar Abasi, about Nebuchadnezzar's trip to build the Beis Hamikdash. 
there is an agreement and the Sanhedev had tried to capture Yerushalayim and his whole, all his officers, 185,000 officers of Sanhedev died outside the walls of Yerushalayim on Pesach night. And there were, the army fled, but there were of the officers, a number of survivors. There's different opinions. If there were five survivors, six, 10, different opinions, 13, whatever opinion it is, whether it's this many survivors, that many survivors of the officers of Sanhedev, everybody agrees. He was one of the survivors. And actually one of the reasons that it's mentioned why he knew, because it says that when he saw when Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah were thrown into the lion's den, and with them there was a, he said there's a malach with them. How does he know a malach? Because he saw a malach killing the officers in the days of Sanchenev. Elakiv and Shomar Leach Kodesh Baruch When Hashem told Nebuchadnezzar through a heavenly voice, go up and destroy the Beis HaMikdosh. Omar, He's going to punish me for it. He's going to do to me. I'm afraid to capture. So what did he do? He went and sat in Antuchia. And he sent Nebuchadnezzar to do it instead. Nebuchadnezzar is general and Nebuchadnezzar is afraid to go near Yerushalayim. Nebuchadnezzar is there three and a half years. They would surround Yerushalayim every day. In the last Medrash, we learned that all their weapons broke on the walls of Yerushalayim. He couldn't capture it. He couldn't capture it. He wanted to go back. Hashem gave him an idea, and he started his film. He started measuring the wall to see if the wall is sinking. The wall went down every day, two and a half tochim. Had shashok akula till it went down totally. Vikivin shashok akula when the wall went down. Nichnesu hasoinim liyushalayim. The enemies entered Yerushalayim. Al oisashah about that moment when the wall sank and the enemies entered. There's a pasuk in Eicha that says, "Loihemino malchayeres kol yoshevay teva." The kings of earth. The inhabitants of the globe never believed that an enemy would come to the gates of Yerushalayim. There's a Medrash Tillim, which is very similar to the previous one, very similar to the Medrash Eichor Abbasi, that says when the people of Yerushalayim angered Hashem, and Hashem wanted to bring Nebuchadnezzar to destroy the base of Mikdash, and he sends a Nebuah through Yermio, that I'm going to send Nebuchadnezzar, my servant, and his nation, his Babylonian nation, to Yerushalayim. Reb Levi says, for 18 years, there was a baskel, there was a heavenly voice, who Nebuchadnezzar would hear every day in his house. And he says, you bad servant, go up and destroy the house, because, because the son of the house of your master, because the sons of your master don't listen to the master. The Jews are not obeying Hashem. But Nebuchadnezzar hears this heavenly voice. He knows it's a heavenly voice, but he's frightened. 
He knew what happened in the days of Sanchev. Sanchev also had indications that Hashem wanted it. He did not believe that Hashem is really going to allow Yerushalayim to be destroyed. As it says, the kings didn't believe it will ever happen. What did he do? He decided, let me do some magic. Let me work out if Hashem wants me to go or not. So he stood at a, at a crossroad and there were two rows to make some magic. He threw an arrow towards Antuchia or towards Sur, and the arrow would break. Not going to succeed against these cities. Then he threw an arrow towards Yerushalayim. The arrow wouldn't break. It would head towards Yerushalayim. And this was an indication that he's going to succeed in destroying Yerushalayim. And that's what Asaf, we have in Kapitol Ayin test, Mizmoir Asaf. Asaf says, Master of the world, who would ever believe that the enemies would enter Yerushalayim and destroy it, a place where no hand can get there. I see that they entered and they contaminated your Beis Hamikdash. They killed your sons. They came in your inheritance. And this is what it means. Probably have time for one more short Gemara, Gemara Nidorim, which speaks about Nebuchadnezzar's message a relationship with the Jewish king Tzitkiyahu, who was the last of the kings of Yehuda. And it says that Tzitkiyahu rebelled against the king Nebuchadnezzar, that king Nebuchadnezzar, he made him swear. What was the rebellion of king Tzitkiyahu against Nebuchadnezzar? He found, Tzitkiyahu found Nebuchadnezzar, and actually says in Medesh Rabbah that Tzitkiyahu had a key to Nebuchadnezzar's private room. He was in charge of five kings. And one day Tzitkiyahu came in and he saw the Havel Ochel Arvin Ochaya. He was eating a living rabbit. And the Buchanetzer realized that Sitkiyo saw it. And he realized that it's not socially acceptable. So he says, Swear to me, the Lemeglis Allah, you won't reveal it. I don't want this word to go out. He swore. King Sitkiyo swore that he will not tell anybody about this rabbit. In the end, Sitkiyo feels really bad about because he's got this juicy piece of Lashon Hara on the Bukhanetzer. And he went and went to the Bezdin and was Mater Nether Mater Shmuel, which Alpidin, that doesn't work because if you look in the Siddur by Ataras Nedorim, it says that any Nether or Shmuel made to another person, whether the person is a Jew or whether the person is a Goy, you're not allowed to be matir a nether or a shmua that a person made to another human being. Anyway, but nevertheless, Sitkiyahu relied, he found some heter and he did it. And Nebuchadnezzar heard people are insulting him that he ate a live rabbit. So he was wondering, what did this, what happened here? He called the Sanhedrin, called Sitkiyahu, and he says, look what Sitkiyahu did. He swore by the name of God that he won't tell anybody. And then he told. So the Sanhedrin says he was Mater Shmua. He went to Mater Nether. So he says, are you allowed to be Mater Nether? Are you allowed to remove an oath? So they said, yes. So he says, what if you swore to another person and the other, are you allowed to do it without his presence? So he said, no, only if he's there. He says, what did you guys do? How come you didn't tell Tzidkiyo that you're not allowed to? Obviously, you guys, you members of the Sanhedrin, you went against the Halacha. And here we have a Pasuk in Megillus Eichel that says, Miyad Yoshvu they sat on the ground, 
Yidmu Ziknei Basiyin, they were silenced. The elders of Siyin, Amar of Yitzchak Sheshamtu Karim Mitachtayim, they took out their pillows from under them, they took off away their seats, and they were all disgraced. Uh, just to mention, to end on a more positive note, that we have the end of Masechta Makais, where he says about when they saw, when Rabbi Akiva saw the fox coming out of the Kaidish Kadoshim, and it says that the other Chachamim were crying, and Rabbi Akiva was laughing, and he said because he saw in the negative, he saw the potential positive, and they they end off that Akiva Nichamtonu, Akiva Nichamtonu, and the Rebbe explains the double lashon Akiva Nichamtonu. Akiva Nikamtonu, one that it's going to be good and one that it's already good. So in all negative and setbacks, we see that it's already good. And the Rebbe mentions that Mashiach will come. We will say, and we'll thank Hashem for every bit of suffering. We will see how it brought us closer to the Gula, and we should merit the Gula Shlema Bikari. I am planning next week, Amir Sashem, to continue this topic of King Nebuchadnezzar. We'll see.